We're up to Colossians 3. We'll cover verses 8 through 11, but I'll read starting at verse 4. So Colossians 3, starting at verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members in uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, for your word. We pray that you would open our minds to it, that we would uh, value it, that we would seek to understand it more fully uh, each time we hear it, and that we would be anxious to follow it, uh, knowing that with obedience comes your blessing. We give you thanks now for this time in Christ's name. Amen. I wanted to start at verse 4 because there is this repetition, uh, and it seems perhaps even maybe a little out of place. You wonder why is Paul saying this? And so in verse 5, he speaks of, therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, and then he speaks of uh, fornication and uncleanness, passion. So all of these, we were told, or the Colossians were told, and thus we are told, to, to put these to death, put these earthly passions to death. And so now in verse 8, he is adding to this, but now you yourselves are to put off all these. So in verse 5, it was put to death. In verse 8, it's put off. But it's still the same uh, substance. We're to not do these, not participate in these, not value these. And there are distinctions. In verse 5, all of them really revolve around our lusts. And in verse 8, they revolve around our anger. So both are passions, and they're passions that can lead us into sin. And we're to put off all of those. Our earthly passions, from lust to anger, they can make us forget who we are, where we've come from, how we're supposed to live differently than other people who don't know the Lord. And then in verse 9, he goes on to say, Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Do not lie to one another. Um, lying is something that uh, most parents have to deal with in their children at some point. And it becomes uh, difficult with some of our children. They just really have learned to lie and to not give a tell, so to speak, to where we're not absolutely sure that they're lying. And so we're reluctant to judge them as liars when we're not for sure. And I know I tended to always, uh, I tried anyway, to always judge with grace I only wanted to uh, accuse them of lying if I felt for sure that they were lying. And yet, 
Why do people lie? What is it that liars want? Well, there could be many things, but I think the main thing the liar wants is they want their own way. And they think that a lie is going to allow them to get their way. So they don't want the truth to come out. They want the lie to cover over the truth. So others do not really know them. So they're hiding. Lying is a form of deception. It's trying to hide from others, trying to hide our character from others, trying to not reveal that to others. And also, you can get ahead in life materially at times through lying. Uh, You're trying to sell something, and someone says, are there any problems with it? None that I know of. You know there are flaws, and yet you're unwilling to share them. You think, buyer beware. But instead of saying that, buyer beware, you tell a small lie. Oh, none that I know of. So we are immersed in a culture filled with lies and deception, and especially on these election years. I remember when I was young, I first heard this question. Uh, How can you tell when politicians are lying? Their lips are moving. So I think it was Churchill that said, the first casualty of war is truth. And these are truisms. uh, These politicians want their way. There might be the rare individual that's willing to tell you the truth, but in our culture right now, telling the truth isn't likely going to get you elected. And so what you do is you tell people what they want to hear. You do exactly what the Bible tells the leaders of the church absolutely not to do. Do not tell people what they want to hear because people want to hear lies. And so politicians learn that early in life, and they just start telling people what they want to hear. They might not outright lie, but they certainly don't tell you all of the truth. Getting these little card mailers is just really entertaining. They want to paint themselves as so bland as to why would you ever have anything against them. Now, you might not have anything for them. They're for the children. They're for the schools. They don't know about us. We're under the radar. But their opponent is the devil in the flesh. And so most of the flyers are attacking the opponent as opposed to calling themselves wonderful because they don't want to say anything about themselves that could cause any one of us to think, oh, wait a minute, he's revealed something now that I don't like, I'm going to say no to him. So when Paul tells us, do not lie to one another, I believe all that's in play. No lying, obviously, but no deception. And yet we live in the midst of a culture that elevates deception, and so it goes against our culture. It goes against who we are. We all can easily pick up these ways of interacting with others in a deceptive way. And yet Paul says, no, don't do that. Why? Because you are to put off the old man with his deeds. And you have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So since you have put off that old man, since our new man is renewed in knowledge, and that new man 
is imprinted with the image of God. Again, just as Adam and Eve were, Adam was made in the image of God, yet it became marred with the fall. And so when we are that new creature, that creature is imprinted with, again, the image of God, undiluted, pure image of God. And that's in us. And so that's in us to convict us of our sin as we are tempted to do it or as we are actually doing it, as we're reflecting on having done it. All of that is for our good. Where... And now see, in verse 11 he says, where? So what is he referring to when he says where? In that new man, in that new creation, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, city, and slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. So in this new creation, in this new existence, this new reality, there is none of this. But all of that's true, right? I mean, there still were Greeks and Jews and circumcised and uncircumcised. So Paul isn't dismissing reality. He's not telling us a lie. He had just told us, don't tell lies, and so this can't be a lie. So there must be something more to it than is just surface level. So what he's saying is that in this new kingdom, in this new nature that God has given you, there is none of this that had led in the past to the anger and the deception, and the lying. And don't you see that now? It's so pervasive in our culture right now. People refuse to accept the truth. They want to believe the lies. We can be as rational and as factually based as is possible to be. They just reject it because they don't want to hear it. And they're annoyed with you for bringing up these unpleasant facts. So we live in a time in which deception and lies have been elevated and everybody participates in it. So we, as God's children, must not. We must point out this error that is pervading our culture and we have to fight against it ourselves. One of the things that I most clearly remember in embracing the faith was that it is true. There is this... Uh, euphoria that you get, or I did, that when I embraced Christianity, when I embraced the Bible as the Word of God, what I recognized most was that God is true. There are things that are incontrovertible in what God has revealed. And people will try to deceive themselves, but they will not succeed. God will hold all of us accountable for having rejected the truth that He's revealed to us. We can't make up our own reality. The only reality that exists is God's. And God will rub many people's noses in that reality that they've attempted to reject all of their lives. Let us not be among them. We want to embrace the truth, embrace the truth of God's Word. We want to be open to the truth, not fighting against it. You remember what, what Jesus had told Paul on the road. You are kicking against the goads, kicking against the truth. It will get you nowhere. You're not going to defeat God. So, the lusts and the anger are fueled in part by this, these differences that exist between us that we can so easily indulge in developing anger, allowing the politicians to drive us apart 
to hate people without sufficient cause, especially as Christians. We must work against that. Outside the church, inside the church, inside our families, there will always be that, that hypocrisy, that deception, those lies that are attempting to tear apart a body, a church unified around Christ and this new image. So now, what should unite us in Christ is far, far greater than anything that should disunite us or unite us in our culture. So it broke my heart when I saw many people voting for President Obama solely because he was black. I had Christian friends who I thought to be somewhat conservative, but they were euphoric at being able to vote for this black man. And it's just they are trading that, that, that uh, beauty of God for that stew that Esau obtained. They, they are trading the truth of God for a lie because they're immersing themselves in this world. And so are we to the degree that we allow ourselves to think like that. We must get beyond that. We can't indulge in that type of thinking. So see, we can't have our own agenda. We must walk in accordance with God's agenda. He trains us in his word to look beyond these surface similarities, such as color of skin. Because, see, we have our own of these. We have the rich and the poor, the blue collar, the white collar. We have all of these similar uh, things that we can di discriminate on. And yet we ought not. We must not. We must honor God and honor his word. And so as we come to the table, examine yourselves. See if you are living in the flesh mimicking the world in terms of admiring lies and deception and living in accordance with them, or are you throwing them off, even if it results in unpleasantness in certain circumstances? We must want what God wants. Father, we thank you for your word that reveals our sin to us so plainly at times. If only we would dig down uh, underneath the surface. So we thank you for the fact that your word transforms, renews, that we are conformed into the image of Christ the more and more as we embrace it, as we choose to follow it, and to not dismiss it, to not set it aside as something that is just too difficult or perhaps even uh, simply uh, conflicts so much with the way we want to live or choose to live. We ask you, Lord, now, please have us partake of this table uh, with the recognition that we want to be like Christ and we will do just what he did on this earth in seeking to not conform to the evil that it, he, is in, he was in the midst of. We thank you now. We ask you to be with us in Jesus' name and bless this to our bodies. Amen.